0: Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey, here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah and I'm here with Nisha Fair. And if you're listening to the podcast, you are already at a disadvantage. You're not watching the video because I have my have fun. You see it? Have fun and be amazing shirt on because we are talking about sex. So we're going to have fun and it's going to be amazing. How are you?
1: I'm so well. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a real treat.
0: You know, I'm excited too. And I told you before, I'm surprised people don't ask me more sex questions considering what I do. Um, and they really don't. So I'm hoping this will kind of you know, open the door. (laughs) It's like a safe topic for me. Uh, But tell people a little bit about what you do. Sure. So I
1: am a trauma-informed sex educator and pleasure coach. I typically work with women, uh, usually when they're in a kind of transition period in their lives, after uh, breakup, um, divorce, after trauma, after maybe a really traumatic birth or pregnancy experience, after miscarriage. The focus of my work is really on nervous system health and how we can use um, nervous system regulation techniques to really support us to have a more nourishing sex life because our sex organs and genitals are wired directly to every single aspect of our nervous system. So when our nervous system is shut down, so, do, uh, so does our
0: desire and our arousal. Which is especially important if you're talking about a traumatic experience, 100%. Right, and I love that you added childbirth in there because I have some friends who've been through that type of situation, and uh it's all connected.
1: It is, and like we could do a show on that alone' I've worked with women with like fertility and um struggling to get pregnant after a traumatic birth experience. Mm-hmm. Because the body doesn't want to go through that again, right? There's nothing physiologically, hormonally wrong in any way, shape, or form. But their nervous system just won't let it happen because it's still in that fear state. So um, I've had a lot of success uh, supporting women in their fertility journey just through mm-hmm. using self-regulation and pleasure
0: work. That is amazing. Yeah. So excited to our conversation. Yeah. So one of the things that you and I talked about discussing is confidence. After um, a toxic parent, partner, boss, whatever it ends up being, it just really erodes people's confidence. And especially if it was in a romantic scenario or a parent, right, maybe you were shamed by a parent or something like that, um, it can really have repercussions of going out, putting yourself out there, or even being intimate in a relationship you're already in, right? Really. 100%. Yeah.
1: And I think, you know, the first thing to just put out there is the fact that because we live in a very repressed society, all of us, except for maybe the 1% who grew up in like, you know, sex positive families, who mm-hmm. may have their own stories of shame around, you know, those upbringings, all of us have some level of, of uh, repression and shame and um, feelings of inadequacy. Around sex, and so that's sort of a base level reality that we're all kind of working with.
0: Um, well, like you dropped a bomb. I'm gonna like hold up. So what you said is we are all working within our own sense of inadequacy. Like if like you're, look like Beyonce or J Lo or and I saw Nicole Kidman in something, and she's actually from my state right now, so I'm not throwing bad things on her, but. She was in something you could tell she'd had a lot of work done, mm-hmm. you know. And so when you think about like, oh, I'm insecure about myself, it's like, well, if I look like Nicole Kidman, I and mean, she's one of the most beautiful people that have ever existed, like, but there was some insecurity in her that felt the need to. And I'm not shaming that, I'm not shaming that either. But it's just that bringing into that conversation of inadequacy is somewhat part of the human condition. Um, I mean, I think that
1: the advent of visual media has made it much worse. Uh Um, And, you know, you can trace back through our thousands of years of generational trauma and abuse, which is really just the effect of chronic nervous system dysregulation that happens because of war and famine and um, disease, Mm -hmm. right? When we're constantly living over a civilization in, in states of, of chronic fear and threat and um, uh, displeasure, let's say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Um, So with that base level reality, we also have a really interesting dynamic that's starting to come in with the rise of sex positivity, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing to begin to um, dismantle all of the repression that we're stepping into this world in, uh, or with, pardon me. And it's the rise of sex positivity has the effect of the flip side of it is it's, it's making a lot of people feel inadequate about themselves sexually. And there's a huge element of sexual perfectionism that's starting to arise where I see people in my practice all the time who are like, who've had relationships, who, you know, would not be like, they're not green in any way, but they still feel like they're not enough for their partner, whether it's because, and this is a really big one, um, maybe a breakup happened because uh, their partner wanted to explore polyamory or Mm -hmm. wanted to um, explore certain practices that didn't feel like it was in alignment for them. And Mm -hmm. so they come out of this relationship feeling like they're not good enough when really it's just a matter of, Everyone having their own unique sexual values and an authentic sexuality that is, you know, soulfully, personally, emotionally aligned to who we are as individuals and needing to honor that. Um, and that's a message that isn't really getting through enough, I, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it's just interesting, the conversation. And I'm just so, so I actually listened to a podcast on accepting polyamorous relationship yesterday. <laughs> Interesting. And within that same conversation of uh, inadequacy, not feeling good enough. And it was this, cause I'm obsessed, obviously, all things relationships. I'm just like obsessed with with all of them and why people do what they do. Um, and she talked about, you know, not feeling good enough. Like if you want multiple partners, of course, I must not be good enough. That was like the default. So it really aligns with, with this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you have been in a toxic relationship where someone made you feel bad about yourself, physically, emotionally, sexually, um, or in toxic relationships where everything is wrong except for how you have sex. So then they get more sex, but it's a game, not kindness or not healthy way. Way. it's not real. Yeah. Totally. No. Mm-hmm. So what advice do you give to that woman who is just really struggling with her confidence based on a a toxic past of some type. I
1: mean, everyone is different. I think that's really, um, the greatest sort of piece of advice that I can put out there is that everyone is different. And the, the best thing any of us can do for ourselves is be gentle with our process Mm and, 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 Give yourself permission to experiment, to Mm -hmm. explore Mm self-pleasure, to take workshops and to step into your own uh, experience of yourself as a sexual being. You know, when we come out of, I'm speaking for personal experience here, when we come out of um, toxic relationships, marriages, um, when I came out of mine, I felt like I had been held underwater for years and then finally got to breathe air. And a big part of my recovery was because let me backtrack a little bit. So I went into that relationship as the one with, um, I had more experience. I was more adventurous, more spontaneous. I was very interested in, in how sex can not just support us in our relationships, but in our lives and how our Sexual energy is an extension of our creativity and, uh, our capacity for connection. So that's all always been kind of running the background. So I started the relationship like that in the end, I couldn't even touch myself. I couldn't even self-pleasure. And it took me six months afterwards before I could get my nervous system regulated enough to actually be able to bring myself to feel safe enough to be with myself. So, um, Some people are going to come out of a relationship and be like, let's do this. I'm here and I'm going for it. And then others are going to feel really tentative and um, both are correct. Mm -hmm. The most important thing is that um, we listen to to what our bodies want and we listen to what is feeling exciting and interesting, you know.
0: I love the way I describe it to my coaching clients, not in this capacity, but uh, we talk about dating and I say, start to become a conversation starter, right? So when you meet people at the grocery store, start conversations. like practice that before it's like, what do I say on this date? You know, I call it finding a shorter bridge to cross. Mm -hmm. So play, workshops, these types of things, maybe a shorter bridge to cross for women than like how in the world am I supposed to take my clothes off in front of someone after 30 years in an abusive relationship, right? Is that? Yes. I,
1: Mm -hmm. well, I always start with self-pleasure in Mm -hmm. all, with all my clients and in all my work. That is really the foundation for, um, for having a a healthy, authentic, nourishing sexual relationship with yourself first, right? Mm -hmm. Because if, I can't be responsible for my pleasure with myself. How am I going to be able to be responsible for my pleasure when I'm with someone else and being responsible for my pleasure doesn't just mean knowing what kind of orgasms I like or what toys I do or don't like. It's about being really attuned to my sense of boundaries and what oh, yeah. it, right. It's because it's because if my boundaries are a little watery or if I'm being a little bit, you know, loose with them, that's going to mm-hmm. affect how I experience pleasure because it triggers my nervous system. Mm-hmm. And then I shut down or I start fawning and performing. So mm-hmm. um, I really like to expand. Oh, this oh, yeah,
0: I'll slow down on that. Just, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> back and filming, right. Because I'm sure that's something that's a huge issue, Massive. with, you know, because in a toxic relationship, you're performing all the time. Mm-hmm. for everything. Um, so you're saying, and this is going to sound silly, but I'm saying this, but you're saying that some people are having sex and it's not a performance. Like think I think some people need to hear that, that they are there for their pleasure and they are there to experience the person yeah. and experience the situation. It's not a performance. They're trying to figure out if they can pass or fail.
1: Yes. And the other person is deeply invested in your pleasure. Mm-hmm. And doesn't want to do anything. Wouldn't dare do anything that would jeopardize your experience of feeling soulfully, emotionally, relationally aligned together in an intimate experience. So that's Mm -hmm. that's you know when you look at the sort of unhealed toxic fawning or fawning and performing patterns versus the healed authentic sexuality where. We're really deeply aligned with ourselves and in our integrity. Uh, That's what we're working
0: towards ultimately. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I just wanted to like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, because then you're entering into another relationship and your thought is, okay, I have to perform and get it right, or they won't like me. You're already, that bridge is so long to cross before you even go on a first date. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. Which is why self-pleasure has to be, uh, I believe has to be the, you know, step one.
0: Yeah. So what are some of your tips to kind of start that process? If someone's like, ah, it's like a rocky desert down there, I go, ah, you know, <laughs> just really um, uh, there are, I mean, there's
1: some there are a couple of issues. It depends on um, I can leave some links uh sure. the things I talk about, but there are there are a few issues because as women get older and especially as they move through menopause, um, Uh, dryness can be Mm -hmm. an issue which makes sex really painful it can make us not want to touch ourselves or feel intimate so um there's one tool that I absolutely love I've used it myself and farm it out to uh farm it out pardon me I shouldn't say recommend to other women Um, and it's uh it's a are you familiar with led light technology like the face yeah yeah so there's one for um, it's a wand, and you insert it into your vagina, yeah. and it's amazing. it builds collagen, it restores lubrication, it can heal um, uh, it sort of issues around the cervix. It's mm-hmm. phenomenal, and uh, I've I I am sort of at the very early beginnings of perimenopause, and uh, so I don't really notice it. But what I have mm-hmm. noticed is a phenomenal well-being effect that's um, happened as a result of building up the integrity of my vaginal tissue. So there's a really strong connection that we don't often um, see in women in terms of sexual well-being and overall well-being. You know, we look at men and we say... You know, a guy with ED, obviously, he's going to be low confidence, and he's going to not feel very good about himself, and he's not going to want to put himself out there. And then, as soon as he gets his mojo bag, you know, Mm -hmm. it's all guns blazing. We're exactly the same. There's no different, Um, and it's it can be really transformative for for Mm -hmm. women. So that was one one thing. But I feel like you have something you want to.
0: Yeah, because that's a point. I'm in a unique perspective, and that I get to like this expert says this, this guy, you know, I get to start linking up some patterns. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for instance, female coaches talk about um, online dating more than male coaches. Typically like isn't that interesting. Like when I ask like a guy, where do you meet, you know, where do you send guys to meet people and where girls and the females always talk about online dating, but I think statistically there are more men on online dating. So that might be 100%. Yeah, it, it, it's just interesting patterns, but an interesting pattern to point out is the coaches, people that I talk about, talk to in regards to sexual health, have this real sense of sexual health and mental, emotional well-being that is interconnected when I feel like, I mean, dating coaches, doc, whoever else, it's like you put your, like, that piece of you, like, in a box and put it on a shelf, and then pick it up sometimes, or put it back sometimes, or lock it away, or try to. Uh, and I think that's worth noting. I mean, I, I do want to say, like, yes, I agree with you, and I want to emphasize to our listeners that that's that's a pattern I have picked up from lots of people who do what you do, and that's not something the average person knows or talks about.
1: No, at all. And you know, you've that compartmentalization of our sexuality is it's part of, it's part of what causes the wounding and the pain for us because Mm -hmm. it's a separation. It's a splitting, Mm -hmm. right? The thing that we all need to get really clear on is that, you know, I take the same body, the same self, the same histories into the bedroom as I do into the grocery store, Mm -hmm. as I do when I'm making dinner, as I do when I'm making love, it's, I'm the same person. We take all our affectations, all our hangups, all our anxieties. And there's this idea. And I think this sort of to your point of performing in bed that um, we are supposed to jump into a sexual encounter and uh, leave all of that behind us, which is so sad because that means that we're never going to be our true selves. We're not being our authentic selves in um, in those encounters, you know, there is nothing in our human experience that is so repressed and yet which we're supposed to perform with absolute perfection.
0: And I love that you brought up the perfectionism too, because I do think that's changed. You know, I I remember when I was in um, college and my college roommate got married and she was like, sex isn't like it looks in the movies. And I was like, oh, what's that going to mean? Like, I don't know what that means. You know, and it was just like, you know, we were like trying to figure it out and, and trying to, you know, have that conversation. And, but I mean, really, the images we have of people of cinematic sex, even if it's not porn, it's just regular television. I mean, 50 years ago, no, no one would have had those images of perfection in their head. Not, not a one.
1: No, and now they're everywhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This isn't even a porn conversation. This is like a movie you're flipping through. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, So I, that sense of perfection I think is is important. So do you, do you feel like that's something women in particular do in their heads or that's something men are expecting? Yeah. May I ask it that way?
1: Oh, I love this question. I love Mm -hmm. this question. So It's both men are exposed to images that set these expectations of what they think femininity should be, what they think feminine sexuality should look like, or what the experience of feminine sexuality should be. Women are exposed to these images and are primed to play them out, to act out the sex goddess, to, you know, be the one thing that I really push back against is the divine feminine. I think the divine feminine, um, ideology can really <laughs> trigger a lot of fawning and performing in mm-hmm. women. Um,
0: I don't, I like it's about people pleasing, like, Flight free, so <laughs> like a very people pleasing nature. Yeah. In case anyone didn't know what you're saying, <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes, okay. yes. That's what I'm here yeah. for
1: is, is all. It's people pleasing. It's um, the belief, you know, when we're talking about it in sex, it's the belief that, say, I have to be a sex goddess in order to be accepted, or in order to be loved, in order to get them to stay. Um, my pleasure is less important than their pleasure. My need to feel safe is not as important as their need to get off. All of these kind of messages would be in keeping with a kind of fawning and performing experience. Uh, so, so that dynamic between men and women, of men expecting it, and it also, it's also the conversations they have amongst themselves, mm-hmm. doesn't help. <laughs> so the fact that men are expecting it and women are being conditioned to try and meet those um, unrealistic expectations really sets women and men in heterosexual relationships up to fail in a lot of ways. And um, men, because of these images, and these are even like good guys, we're not talking about all the the toxic ones out there. Um, They don't know to encourage a woman to actually experience herself authentically. Because they're only doing what they've been shown, what they've been told. everyone's kind of acting out this story. Yeah yeah, so, yeah so that's um, that's a you know I think it's a really it's a really actually wonderful opportunity when we come to a break in a in a toxic relationship because it's this this wonderful chance to rewrite all of those old stories and to mm-hmm. actually step into, an authentic version of ourselves, whether it's sexually, whether it's in work and our families, what have you.
0: That's awesome. Well, tell people where
1: they can find more about you and your work. Sure. So uh, my website is NishaFair.com. I'm on Instagram at Nisha Fair. And um, I'll include a link for your listeners for a little free coaching tool resource that uh, folks can begin to start to ask some questions and do some investigation Mm -hmm. on their own experiences and their relationship to pleasure and where they want to go forward. So it's just a really quick, uh, it's called Pleasure prompts, and uh, it's just a really lovely way to begin the process.
0: So yeah, is that where you would start? You talked about your six months where you didn't feel safe to even start the process. Mm -hmm. Is that where you would tell people who didn't feel safe throughout the process.
1: Yeah. I, it's funny because I think the work that I've created, um, so I've created my my own system of right. with pleasure work because I was unsatisfied with right. the that I had. Mm-hmm. And I, I need to do this better. So the people don't, uh, don't get into more trouble. So um, yeah, I have everything that I've created is sort of designed to be what I felt I would have, what would have been supportive, like really supportive to like my heart and my soul at the time, as opposed to being told that this is what your sexuality needs to look like. And this is how you need to go out into the world and be with other people. These, uh, you know, musts and shoulds, they're, they're a killer. Right. So um, that's, it's just designed to be a really compassionate way of, Dipping your toe into the water.
0: Shorter bridges to cross. Are anyone listening, idea. <laughs> That's awesome. So, if you had one message that you wish everyone in the world knew, um, that they currently maybe don't, what what would your message be? Uh, I think that we are our bodies. Mm-hmm.
1: That who I am as my identity is not separate from my physical being, but all of the stories of everything that we are and all of the goodness that we can are here to bring and contribute to the world is, is stored in every single one of the 70 trillion cells in our bodies. And it's, it's an absolute, astounding, brilliant, beautiful thing that we're here.
0: I Thank you so much for helping us today on our you. Have you, um, the amazing sex talk and um, for helping us become a little farther on our journey to becoming toxic person-proof. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live, there's tons of support, and most importantly, tons of more information to help you on your journey to become Toxic Person Proof.